This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey. How's it going? Oh, it's going okay. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this comic. Which comic is that? Batman? Well, actually, it's, uh, it's, Land- actually, Lando's not out yet in this human in our current human time frame but lando will be out by the time you listen to this and you should probably be reading that yeah i need to get that lando he's the best he's the best i'm so excited it was the best part of the princess leia miniseries was the next week lando and i'm like Wait, yeah is, that's much better is the princess leia miniseries over with yeah i need to read that too i i need to read all the star wars comics what are we doing with this Star Trek comic that I've already <laughs> read? Why did I spend, you know, like 15 minutes reading these three comics last night? I should have been reading Star Wars comics. You should have. <sighs> so now we're going to have to spend like a half an hour talking about these Star Trek comics when I could be reading Star Wars comics. Yes. I hope the listeners appreciate the <laughs> sacrifices that we're making to bring this moderately entertaining podcast to them. On a weekly basis. <sighs> hey, people like it. They better. They we, freaking better. We're, we're Although, why are they listening you. to us when they could be reading Lando? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Let's they just, could do both. They can, can do can, both. Let's just, let's just cut our losses. Stop it right now. <laughs> be like... We can't. Everyone, got... just go read Lando. You don't want to listen to us. Turn us off. We're leaving now. Goodbye. It is the will of Landrew or whatever that thing is. And good night and good luck. Unfortunately not, Mike. We've got to. We can't read Lando yet, remember? Oh, I could catch up on the other ones, which I haven't read yet. Princess I, Leia I, with the Terry Dodson art. It's not very good. And the art is not very good either. You're freaking insane. It's it's not good. Okay. Uh. Anyway... Star Trek comics. Yeah, whatever. Uh, these were the first issues to be released after Into Darkness, and it's creatively called After Darkness. Yeah. This is one of those things that comic books do, where they're like, we need to tie this into this big thing that's happening. So we'll say, like, After Darkness, as in, like, these are the events which are spinning out of Into Darkness. And now, suddenly, you will see what happened after that thing that you saw on the big screen. Meanwhile, the creators are like, can't we just tell our frickin' story and you put on the thing? And Because, I mean, really, I didn't have anything to say about what's going on. I just want to do a muck time, dude. Can we just do a muck time? And they're like, yeah, but you can't call it a muck time. You've got to call it after darkness and he's like okay that does not make any sense but let's call it after darkness 
and now we'll do a muck time. That's the impression <laughs> that I got as to what happened here. And listening to co- comic book creators talk about like company wide crossovers, that sounds like this happens like every single week. So you think that all these cool crossovers and references, like this is like the first Star Trek comic I think that has like asterisks and editor notes. Well, and that's like, cool, but but, this if you, and... but if you look at it, he's like referencing all the stuff that he did, right? <laughs> is he really? Yeah, because it's all like, um, yeah. So all that stuff that happened in Into Darkness, you know, that's what happened, you know. But he's like talking to Robert April and stuff, and all these guys from Countdown. They're talking about mud and everything and they're talking about all this stuff that happened in in countdown to darkness right mm-hmm. and they kind of just like skip and they're like yeah and then that thing happened in into darkness and you know whatever but now we're doing our thing i don't know it really just feels it- like the marketing arm kind of you know like the creators you know which hey i'm all for for them doing what they're doing they're like we just have a story to tell and we want to tell the best story that we can do. And we understand that you have this marketing angle that you want to come at. But that's not where our story is. If we were to do that, it would be forced and it wouldn't be as good of a story. So we're just going to tell our story the best we can. And then you guys can slap whatever title you want on the cover. So you feel like this is kind of like Iron Man 2 in that, you know, Favreau had a story he wanted to tell and. Marvel came in and was like, no, 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 it's got to tie into the bigger universe. You need to mention this and this and this and this and have this character, this character, and this character. I I don't really, I mean, I think that would have been ideally what they were doing, but I see it more along the lines of, um, uh, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but, you know, this thing, it, it happens in comic books all the time where you'll see, like, a crossover event which affects the lives of all the comic books and everything. And then it'll say like you know I mean what's the what's a big crossover crisis let's say, and they're mm. like this is a crisis tie-in story, and you you read the story and and you're like, that didn't have anything to do with crisis like <laughs> at all you know, and they're like yeah but all of our books this month are tying into crisis and then you know someone might say like, so I hear there's a crisis going on, yeah yeah I heard <laughs> about that too that's crazy anyway. Let's go back to telling our story, you know? That's kind of the impression that I, I get with this thing, you know? Well, because it's three, this thing is three issues long, maybe we should just focus on the Amok Time comparisons? Sure. I mean, there's a few other little bitty things which are kind of thrown in there, which are setting up things and, you know, all that stuff. But I guess, yeah, for, for our purposes, you know, we're looking at it sort of for the Amok Timeness of it all. So, I mean, that's the, the main the main focus i think right yeah yeah i do like the other tie-ins though it, well, we can talk it, about them let's just go through it, it. feels it feels uh, uh you know pretty natural yeah no well, i mean it's 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 definitely like in terms of the story i mean he is like and that's naturally what you would want to do i mean just like you reference what happened last week or whatever yeah you're going to reference what happened in into darkness but this is by no means like you know now, after Into Darkness, everything has changed, and now we're going to see how everything has changed. It's just like, well, that was an adventure, just like the week before we had a comic book, which was an adventure, and now we're going on the next adventure. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. I like that. I approve. So we've got the Klingons. They're upset that Kirk came and 
you know, as far as they know, murdered a bunch of Klingons. Yeah. So they're like, aha, we'll get war anyway, even though Marcus didn't succeed in his plan. And then we get Kirk interviewing Robert April from Countdown to Darkness, which we didn't talk about because it's not it's not a direct correlation to an episode. Uh, but if you didn't read it, Captain April is on this planet and this planet's at war and he's providing weapons to one side. And it turns out he's admitting now that Marcus was the one giving him weapons and this was to distract the Federation so that Marcus could attack, you know, Kronos. And... It's kind of an interesting take on the character of April. I mean, didn't they say at one point the character of um, Admiral Marcus was going to be Robert April? I think that was one of the rumors, like they said, uh, you know, this is going to be April's gun or something in the yeah. uh, in the pre-production. Yeah, yeah. Like there was something I like about a script which was written with April. Yeah, I don't know. Now, this is interesting. Like, they never mentioned the name Khan. I wonder if if that was conscious on the writer's part. Like, maybe he thought that was really stupid. I mean, because the only time that they, like, refer to him is, you know, the homicidal maniac or a madman or John Harrison. Yeah. Because, hmm. or it's really good in universe because they don't care who Khan is. Maybe. I I wonder. I wonder if that was it. Or maybe they were afraid of the comic book coming out before the movie. I don't think it was. Oh. I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. But that could be true, too. Interesting. So that you could, if you didn't get to the theater, you could keep up on the comics. and Which is a weird hmm. backwards way of doing things, even though, even since the novelization was probably out already, right? Right. Hmm. Interesting. That is weird. So, uh, cuts to the Enterprise, and uh, they're on their five-year mission. Yeah. Which, this seems to be a running thing throughout the comics, which is like, we're going on a five-year mission. And the next week, they're like, we're going on Here a five-year mission. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get started eventually. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, only like the last, since Q Gambit, is it actually called Five-Year Mission? I think it's after Q Gambit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're actually subtitled Five-Year Mission, so it's like a whole new series or something. I think it's even, like, categorized differently in comicsology. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, here, finally, you know, 20 issues from this one where they start the Five-Year Mission. Does the Five-Year Mission actually start? Like, I'm really curious, because, like, some of the stuff that they're doing here with these early things with, like, April and the Klingons and everything, it's... You you got to figure that they they had to be careful with what they were doing because of what was going to happen in the next movie. Like mm-hmm. if they're like we're going to start a war with the Klingons, and then the movie comes out beyond, and it turns out that they're like going to start a war with the Klingons, then you know that's going to obviously cause problems. And seeing as how they threw out the script and started up a new one. And Roberta Orsi, who, you know, is the consultant on this, is no longer involved, at least in a sort of day-to-day basis. Like, I mean, I imagine that the comic book creators are just like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? Please don't contradict the movie. Please don't yeah. contradict the movie. I need like, to rewrite all this new thing. issue. Oh, oh no, no, no. Those weren't Klingons. They were just dudes at like a costume party. They were cosplayers, <laughs> Klingon cosplayers. And yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, it's okay. an it's an unenviable task. So finally, uh, you know, several pages into this issue, amok time starts. Yeah. Oh, just one thing. They make it sound like here that um, Kirk wrote the space, the final frontier thing, but in something else. Was it was it the other movie or was it? It's uh, into darkness. It's into darkness where they're like, as the captain's uh, yeah mission statement says, captain's oath or something, yeah. which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but then here in this next comic, McCoy's like, I've never heard that before. Yeah, or th- or maybe they're just making fun of him. We can't get the the level of sarcasm of McCoy's dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you read everything with a level of sarcasm, but it may, there may have been several layers in that. Yeah. So Spock's freaking out, and Uhura checks up on him, and thankfully checks up on him with a hypospray. Yeah, it's uh, actually kind of similar to the scene at the beginning of Amok Time with Chapel. Mm-hmm. Where he throws that soup. Yeah, there's no soup in this one. It makes me sad. Mm. No stain on the bright white Enterprise wall. Yeah forever from that point on uh so take him to sick bay and he's like i don't want to talk about it but then he ends up talking about it he seems a lot more open here than he was in amok time i mean half of amok time is spent with them just being like what is your problem man and he's like i don't want to talk about it yeah and the rest of the episode after that point is well we've got to kind of steal the enterprise to go to yeah to go to the planet. Yeah. And so they cut through all that because it's comic. Even if it is three issues, they cut through all that and they go to New Vulcan. And I really like that they talk about the last time they were at New Vulcan. Yeah, which was in the video game, which I still haven't played. Yeah. I need to play that game. Spoilers, they go to New Vulcan. and I got to that part already. End up in a completely different ga- galaxy with the Gorn. Okay, I didn't get to that part yet. Well, I mean, it says it right here in the comic. Oh, okay. Which I, I I really liked that. At least, even though even though the movie mentions Gorn in like a cute, you know, like oh, you're gonna deliver. Does he, does he deliver a? Uh, no, no. At no point does he do anything friendly. Because if that Is was like even mission, involved in the mission. Because even here they're like, don't remind me. You know, he's like, right. I, you know, you, you like the Gorn. And he's like, sorry, Bones, bad memories, I know. Yeah, that's, I think that's them trying to acknowledge the dialogue in Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. So back on New Vulcan, there's Sarek. He's looking cool. Am I right and- in thinking that in the video game with these these buildings uh, on on water that at some point you're going to have to run and jump from one building to the other and not get in the water? I, I believe that is the case. Okay. Anyway. It's been a few years. All right. So anyway. So they meet Sarek, and, yeah. and Sarek introduces to Pring. Yep. And then we get a... We end the comic with Section 31 talking to the Romulans. Yep. Still trying to make bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Then the next issue starts with the Romulans saying, hey, you know, we don't like these guys, and we've still got red matter. So, ha ha ha. So they're setting up for the next few issues, I guess. Kittimer and all those those things that I've not read yet. Yeah. Then we get back to New Vulcan, and Uhura is upset. That uh, Spock has been engaged this whole time. 
It's understandable. It is very understandable. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a bigger shock moment I I feel than in the episode when it's just like, yeah, that's my fiance, and everybody's like, wait, what? This is like there are stakes involved. <laughs> like, uh, I didn't know you were engaged, you jerk. Well, I mean, that's kind of interesting, and I mean, I guess I guess now is a good a time as any to bring this up, but. You know, one of the things which makes this comic book one of the more interesting adaptations is that it's not just like, here's the events and we're telling them with these characters and seeing the subtle differences. Here it's like, okay, a muck time happened in a certain way. And there's two major differences to this continuity which would make up a muck time a completely different story. And one of them is that Spock is dating Uhura, and the mm-hmm. other one is that there's no Vulcan to go to. And what I love about this comic is that they really were like, yeah, okay, let's deal with that, you know, and let's see how it would play out differently. And that's that's what we're seeing here. With all these inserts yeah, to things that the writer obviously didn't care about. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean the the Vulcan or the Romulan and Klingon stuff and the... oh oh well there's that but now I'm talking about like the story itself like you know now it becomes like well okay we need to get Spock back to Vulcan but there's no Vulcan to go to you know right and there's also like an Uhura who's not happy <laughs> that her boyfriend is engaged and they have to consummate in order for uh mm-hmm. for yeah, it's it's very explicit. Our union must be consummated soon. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the things which, you know, I always thought about when watching Star Trek 09 was it's like, wait a minute, I thought this only happened once every seven years. So when you're in a relationship with someone, what does that mean? You know? Apparently it's still, it has to be your betrothed. and It sounds like, the, the well, according to this comic anyway, you know, it being on Vulcan has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like that uh, Kirk is is on New Vulcan where they last left Prime Spock, and he's just like, "Hey, why can't we talk to the other Spock?" Which apparently Sarek's just fine with. And he's like, "No, no, no, the other Spock left already." But the thing about that—that's got to be weird. But the thing about that is, it's like. Even if you did that, like, what is Prime Spock going to tell you that all the other Vulcans don't know? It's like, didn't right. this happen, Spock? Didn't, you know, you go through Pond Fire at some point? And he's like, yeah, I did, because I'm a I Vulcan. I went to Vulcan. <laughs> and, you know, that's how these things work. You know, I don't know if anyone's explained it to you yet, but uh, <laughs> we got a whole planet here of Vulcans which can deal with this problem. Why are you bothering me? Yeah. Well, what did you do to get out of it? Well, I killed you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that's not, you know, that that, that was a weird thing because it's not like Spock is going to have the answer to their problems, old Spock. You know, this but is. But it, it does a seem different... like a Chris Pine Kirk kind of thing to do. And I, they should do it with every problem that they have. I guess so. I guess. So. I mean, they did it in Into Darkness. Hey, you heard of this con? You heard of this con guy? But that's a little different scenario right i mean it's not yeah. like this is something where they're like i mean this is like a why little... would they think that sorry why would they think that old spock had anything to do with khan at any point in anybody's life 
Well, because he's already said, like, you know, there seems to be some harmony between these universes and, you know, things are playing out the way they did. Just, you know, kind of the universe is the timeline is fixing itself and course correcting and all this other stuff, which is honestly the thing that I hate most about that movie. Um, but this is like a different thing where it's like we are aware, we are fully aware of the problem and we are fully aware that this problem would not exist in the other timeline because there is a Vulcan in the other timeline. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. I don't get it. Whatever. So it turns out uh, that because apparently Spock's the first, not the first person, never mind, but uh, they don't warn them that uh, people who have been going through Pon Far and not being on Vulcan have gone insane and, you know, joined a cult basically out in the lava fields, which is uh, something they should have told them. Yeah, no, leave him here. He'll be fine. We'll take care of it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he went crazy and ran away to live with all the other Vulcans who've gone through Ponfar so far. It's like, wait, what? wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Vulcans, they don't like involving people in their personal problems right yeah yeah i guess it makes sense oh we've been having yeah they're they're not gonna go to you know baby kirk and be like yeah we've had problems for a while now yeah if you could help us solve this problem that'd be great yeah yeah they're very private they don't even want to tell humans that they go through regular pond fire let alone super pond fire <laughs> you know and she also reveals that the only uh, the emotions upon far can only be eased in one or two ways through mating or through terrible violence. Yeah. So at least they know that the violence overcomes it too, which they don't really acknowledge in a mock time, do they? No, not really. But I do like how in this one they really do deal with like it being uh, somehow related to Vulcan. And the Vulcan, you know, atmosphere or whatever it is that's on Vulcan and that that has something to do with their hormonal imbalance, as they say. Mm -hmm. Because Maybe there's something in the air. Right. Because, I mean, the problem, you know, that me and, I don't know, I guess my dirty mind always thinks about when watching Amok Time is like, just, you know, I, <laughs> Spock has a problem. He should just find someone... To, to get it on with, and then everything is good, right? Isn't that... Isn't that... I forget how they deal with it in Voyager. I don't know. Because there's the one where the guy's gone crazy and wants Balana for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I forget. But yeah, I don't know. But I mean, this does a good job of explaining why they can't do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wait, did they get... Did he get over it? Like, he wasn't on Vulcan. I don't know. Maybe it's an alternate universe Vulcan thing. I'll have to ask uh, the to the journeyman. <laughs> Fantastic. So Spock's living in the, in the lava fields, which apparently they're lava fields on New Vulcan. And uh, Kirk and everybody go down to get him. And uh, they, get, they all get attacked and beat up. And then the second issue ends with another little random thing that has nothing to do with anything of Commander Kor leading a Klingon fleet of Narada-looking birds of prey suckers. 
and they look like birds of prey with Narada faces, which yeah. is weird. So now we see like the Romulans and the Klingons teaming up, which is kind no, of fun. I think they're fighting against each other. I think that the thir- section 31, 31 is pushing them against each other. Oh, so section 31 gave the Klingons the Romulan tech. It's not Romulan tech. It's, oh, oh, you mean the bird of prey? Yeah. Well, the bird of prey is that, wait, because they look like Klingon birds of prey. Yes. With Romulan Narada thingies on top well, of them. Well, they had the Narada for 25 years, remember? Oh, okay. So that's what it was. Gotcha. Instead of like uh, the last one that we talked about with the mirror universe and how uh, Kirk kept saying how stupid the Klingons were for not being able to figure out how to use the technology of the Narada. Yeah. He, in this, in the actual regular prime JJ verse, they did figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. They were not too dumb. Yeah. Then the third issue starts with... Scotty saying how dangerous it is to uh, beam people out of the lava fields because we always end up going into areas where it's difficult to beam people. You'd think that they would work on that. Yeah. Well, like in Into Darkness, you know, they have to pick the ship up out of the water and fly right next to to Spock to beam him up out of the volcano. You'd think that Scotty would be trying to fix that so they don't have to be right there next to him. Yeah, well, they're working on it. It's still just after darkness. Yeah, I guess it's only been a few weeks. But uh, it looks like all the Vulcans are angry and nothing is helping. So the crew beams back up to the ship and then they come up with an idea of just beaming all the Vulcans uh, out of the volcano pits, which they don't have a problem with now, and beaming them into uh, the brig and then Chekhov doesn't scream like a little girl and run around. Uh, he actually figures out the problem, like he's Jordy the Forge or something. And he comes up with the idea of, because the transporter compensates for you, the different environment, the different atmosphere that they're going to beam somebody down to, they've got a record of what the computer did when people beam down to Vulcan. So they can tell the computer to pretend to beam the people down to Vulcan, which should mess with their cells to make them feel, or at least their 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 insides feel like they're on Vulcan. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because there's never really been anything which has dealt with this as far as I know, but it's... It's cool because it's a tech solution to a problem which no one ever considered existed. But it's one of those things where if you think about it, like, you go, huh, yeah, I guess they would have to do that with the transporters in order to make Mm -hmm. that make sense. So they've, like, come up with a solution to a problem, and they're using that solution as a solution to another problem. Okay. Because they didn't invent new tech to fix the issue. Right. They're making tech that actually logically makes sense. It's like at one point they were sitting around and they're like, well, how does the transporter work if you're going from one environment to another? Well, I guess you would have to do that. So they came up with a problem which was never explicitly stated, came up with a solution to it, and then said, we can use this solution that we just came up with as part of our headcanon 
to solve the problem of this story, which is different yeah. from the problem of it's it's weird. It's kind of kind of some next level thinking. But it works. Next, both next level techno babble. It works in both uh in in both universe and story wise. Yeah. And that it beams them down and apparently because they'd already been super violent, uh they all beam down and their eyes aren't all glowy red, which we forgot to mention that Spock's eyes glow red. No. Uh all of them do, which is weird. One replicant. One because why would they glow? Why why would they glow? And two, doesn't like when you do like a red eye on a on a camera. That's because it's seeing like the back of your retina. Wouldn't it his be green? I don't know. Is is the back of your retina red because of blood? I I I just assume so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the real answer to this is it's just a um i think it's one of those things where it's a stylized visual cue where maybe in the continuity his eyes aren't glowing red it's just something that they're doing in the comic book to kind of you know because it's a kind of like how the cylons spines grow glow uh for like the first two episodes of battlestar yeah i think that's more of a we forgot that we're doing this sort of thing (laughs) <laughs> but uh here i mean i think like you know comic books i think tend to be more um uh, uh what's the word um non-literal than than movies when it comes to stylistic choices okay you know so i don't know that's how i i see it so they beam them down and then beam spock back up and then they waste an entire page on the signal having interference and and Chekhov compensating for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is is odd because you could just skip that entire page and it would make perfect sense yeah yeah so spock's back to normal and well there's the whole thing i guess we forgot with the scene with uhura and the chess board oh yeah that's kind of a cool scene or chess yeah Uhura gives a speech about how her and Spock first uh, like got to know each other and kind of fell in love was playing three-dimensional chess and uh, Spock winning all the time, and then Spock suggesting that they switch to two-dimensional chess so she'd have a chance. And then she beat him once, and the next day uh, she found a, a king that, that Spock had given her. Is that and, is that a king or a queen? Um. I imagine, I think it's the king. Oh, yeah, because it's got the cross on the top? Because it's got the cross on the top. Okay. And because, you know, it's like a, a checkmate when you give oh. up your king. Uh, so it's oh, like him giving up his king. Mm, that's Spock. He's and his heart, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's a romantic. He's a romantic. Yeah. yeah that, that does seem like a smooth move when you think about it, you know? Uh, he's not as smooth with T'Pring uh, later. Nah. He's just like, hey, you know... Uh, sorry, I, I never really took that oath. I didn't take the oath lightly, but uh, I've got stuff to do here on the Enterprise. Yeah. And yeah. she's not manipulative. She's like a decent person versus her Prime Universe version. Yeah, yeah. You know, but Spock doesn't get to give her the speech about having is not as good as wanting. 
and and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So we don't get a good burn line. Troll Spock. <laughs> and then that's pretty much the end of that story. And then there's yep. just the tease of the Kittimer thing. Yeah. There's a guy in shadow and a girl also in shadow. Which I'm guessing the girl in shadow is Salah. Because Salar? No. Oh. Uh what uh, uh Yar's daughter. Sela oh yeah, Sela. Sela. Yeah. Because that's the I don't know, the last time I saw a woman in shadow, it turned out to be Denise Crosby. So <laughs> this character, whoever it is, is played by Denise Crosby now in my head. Yeah. And the last panel is all of Khan's cryo tubes. And then it says the end for now. Yeah. Yeah. Although although it's weird because in in that the, those scenes where she was in shadow, it actually wasn't Denise Crosby who was in the shadow because she was like off doing something else and then she just did like voiceover right. redubbing the thing. Yeah. Anyway. Which yeah. doesn't make for your reveal very good if it sounds exactly like you. Well, you know. You gotta have a cool voice modulator, like in Saw. But there were a few episodes in between, so you know, there was time for people to speculate. Yeah, because it still doesn't make any sense even after they explain it. No, it works. Wait, how is she back? Well, remember when she time traveled and created oh. another alternate universe? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then in that alternate, so we've created a time loop, or at least maybe we're following. Ooh. Now, this is a discussion for Earl Grey, but maybe we start following an alternate universe. Because we've got the universe where the sea goes to Kittimer and explodes. Or not Kittimer. Wherever it, wherever its last mission is. But then in, uh, you know, in yesterday's Enterprise, we put Yar back on it. And then she goes. And that changes history. But now we're following that version of history and not the original version. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that most interpretations of time travel and Star Trek involve like a, a an endless loop sort of thing, you know, like a closed loop mm-hmm. um, as opposed to what we see in Star Trek 09 with the deviating timelines, right? Right. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking in the wrong, wrong dimension. But I don't know. Time travel. It's a mess. <laughs> Well, the next ep- couple issues are Gorn related, so I'm guessing I they think still just one. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be the next comic comparison we do. Probably next month seems to be a monthly thing we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking every three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, it was fun talking about a muck time slash after darkness. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you've may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. It, it wasn't so much, you know, some down and dirty action, you know, and, and stuff. It's more like, Spock is in heaven and it's all good until he comes back, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's pretty... Though I think those are the lyrics. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. <laughs> I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. Also, the original 
title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding, which when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish, that could have been a Riker episode. (laughs) (laughs) The Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axnar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! I can just hear the old gray people screaming, Measure of a man! Measure of a man! (laughs) And you know what I would say to that? Death wish! Death wish! Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. I remember revisiting it now in full, and I had forgotten the fact that Future Guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. I think part of it, you know, which is probably good, is that he's probably not familiar with what happened, you know, in, in season one of Next Gen, aside from hearing stories here and there. So he's just like, whatever, I'm just going to get the story. The 602 Club. I think he's very much recreating that THX feel. And you may di- you may disagree with it. You may not think it's, you know, it's great, but it's on purpose. He, he wants that world to be that way. Let me just say, conceptually, I agree with that. In terms of execution, that's where I think he failed. Literary Treks. It's amazing to me, as I reread these stories, how much of it... I just kind of think of as Deep Space Nine these days, even though it wasn't part of Deep Space Nine, <laughs> you know, the the actual series. Axonar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that. But it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. My absolute favorite thing about this episode is that this is a love potion only if it's between a man and a woman. They make it explicitly clear that if you touch two men or two women, they just become really good friends. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. You can visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Well, if you want to contact us and share your thoughts on, on the comics or on Amok Time, you can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose Send a Show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using a webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you? out of orbit uh you can find me uh at home reading star wars comics or you can <laughs> find me here on trek fm uh talking about star trek when i'm not reading star wars comics specifically on commentary trek stars uh where we talk about uh other star trek creators works like if a star trek creator were to write a star wars comic we would talk about the star wars comic dang it but that hasn't happened yet as far as i know um, you can also find me on my website, commentarytrackstars.com, where I do commentary track stars off topic, where I can talk about Star Wars comics if I want to, because, you know, yeah. 
not going to let uh, Star Trek put me in a box any longer. When you get caught up, we can get together and we'll talk about it. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me on various other places around the internet, including hopefully an upcoming episode of Commentary Trek Stars where we talk about the Star Wars comics. Yeah. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks and more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what did you find for everyone? Well, I've got Star Trek Exodus, the Vulcan Soul Trilogy, Book 1, which is written by Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz. It's narrated by Boyd Gaines. It's three hours and 44 minutes long. It says, following their bestsellers, Vulcan's Forge and Vulcan's Heart, Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz embark on a new trilogy chronicling the latter-day adventures of one of Star Trek's most beloved characters, shedding new light on his world's shocking history. I can only assume that they're talking about Keemzer. <laughs> um, but regardless, uh, you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRAS underscore 1701. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yes, thank you very much. And if you want to join them in keeping us in orbit, you can support us on Patreon, too. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, or access to our project manager. You can find out where the donations can go on the site, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Well, yes, uh, comics, always good. We'll have a new comic soon, yeah. or rather than later. It'll be Lando for some reason, and we'll compare it with uh, iMud. There's no reason to say that Star Wars doesn't fit into Star Trek continuity. Nope, not especially especially after Episode Seven. Yeah. If they mentioned Slusho, then they're all one universe. Hell yeah. See our previous episode. Yep, yep. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.